Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. I gave him a, a, a solution that helped him build traction and somebody else built for $2,000. So the difference here is he built it in one month for $2,000 versus him building it in eight months for 80000 Has it been your dream to become an engineer, to switch from the job that you're working right now, be taken seriously, get a full-time salary and be coding? Then go to HackReactor.com, the trusted resource to become a credible engineer. That's HackReactor.com slash scholarships if you want to check out more on how to become an engineer at no cost at all. Remember to enter in the code WEARELATECH. We could not do this without the community believing in our vision together. We Are LA Tech is independently funded, funded by you, the community. So to support We Are LA Tech, go to patreon.com slash we are LA Tech. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash we are LA Tech. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast. I have an exciting, exciting special bonus episode for you today. And I think you're going to love it because it's all about how to efficiently work with software developers. And I know that's something that we all have to deal with all the time in our tech companies. So I bring to you Jay Crouch. Hello. Hi. Hi. (laughs) So let's start off right at the top. Why are you the person to share with us the insights on how to work efficiently with software developers? Why are you the expert in that industry? Okay. Uh, so I, um, so, well, I guess today I'm working as a freelance CTO. And uh, before that, I have founded uh, several companies, like five companies now. And I've also worked in, uh, in the enterprise space as well. Um, so kind of been all over the board, being inside the company, outside the company, working with accelerators and and just have, um, I guess my practice itself gives a really unique kind of viewport into into this realm. And what kind of companies have you worked with? What are the companies? Can you share a few of with us? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so starting at the top, Honest. Um, Honest Company, Just Galvo's company is the, the biggest one that I've worked with. That's the enterprise I was talking about. And then um, the startups that I've done have been in lots of different verticals. So I've done stuff uh, with like chatbots and a lot of e-commerce and um, did stuff in like legal compliance and just, you know, lots of, lots of different realms for about 15 years. And are you from Los Angeles originally? No, not even close. But you live in LA now. Yeah. You live in Santa Monica. Yep. And where are you from originally? Utah. Like, like nowhere land. (laughs) And when did you come to LA? So about five years ago. Yeah. I had like a life change and, and came out here. So, and, and how long have, and you've been working in the tech industry for about 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. More, maybe a little more than that. Sure. So right now your, your passion, like what the, what you enjoy most doing with your time is making sure people are well-informed with how to efficiently work with software developers. So what does that look like? Uh, what are you currently working on? All right. So yeah, so I have a bunch of clients that I'm working with that are uh, mostly early stage, like anything below a B round, some people who just you know, just barely getting started, anything in that realm. And then really where the passion comes in, I think it's kind of what you're asking for is the, uh, is, is my blog, right? So I have a blog and I've got a book and, um, the, the blog is tailored for the, uh, technical and non-technical leaders, um, to help them like learn the communication tools and all this stuff to help make these, 
like workplaces a lot more thriving and effective. And then the book is specifically for non-technical founders to help them not, you know, be taken advantage of. And so let's go, let's get into it. Like, should we go through like a top 10 kind of things to that we can all take action on or kind of like become more aware of and then just walk through those or maybe a top 10 is a bit much on a podcast. So like a top three or something like, like let's walk through this conversation of, uh, of what people can expect and, and how they could get to learn more um, after this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let, I think I've got six. <laughs> six works six for me. So, yeah. All right. So I'm really passionate about this because as I've, as I've been trying to figure out my own role in the industry, I've had to do a ton of learning and my perspective has changed so much in the last couple of years um, when I switched from being inside of a company to outside. And oh, especially in the last 18 months, I've done a lot of research around how, you know, how different kinds of vendors, different kinds of software developers work with founders. And I, the answer I'm coming up with every time is that founders are being taken advantage of left and right. And, and it's, it's insane to me because it's affecting this whole ecosystem, the startup ecosystem. And I feel like there would be so many more companies out there that could be a lot more successful and that's just going to breed a lot more entrepreneurism if people were kind of doing it right. How are software developers taking advantage? Well, so some of them, I, just to be clear, some are doing it maliciously, right? Because they, they have self-interest and they, right. they just yeah. want are, better. Just to clarify, are we talking about only domestic or international or a combination of the two? Because uh, I know a lot all. of people hire developers in all. Argentina and, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. internationally. And then other people work with people sitting next to them. Yeah, everyone. It's international, domestic, and I'm not even saying the, an individual contributor. I'm also like lumping in agencies. I'm just saying any nerd. Yeah. I'm, I'm basically saying nerds, how how non-technical people work with technical people yeah. and where they get taken advantage of. Yeah, and I just want to be clear because you guys know I'm really into positivity and empowerment, and I want Jay to back me up on this. We are not <laughs> saying everybody's bad at all. He's just saying like... Let's just like frame it like this is a conversation about just things to look out for is to be the most efficient yeah. and effective leader that you can be and create a great collaborative environment with your team so that you could all grow together and hire smarter. And right. so just like every, every other industry and culture in this world, there's people that don't have the best intentions and there's like incredible people. So this is just the same kind of thing as everywhere else. And so Jay's going to just give us like, you know, a kind of the, you know, script or roadmap in order to be the best that we can be. Is that yeah, fair? hundred percent. I yeah. actually, actually was just going to say the same thing. I was, I was going to say, um, some people are doing this maliciously because they want a bigger paycheck. And then a lot of people are just doing it, you know, accidentally. That's even. And a lot of people aren't doing it at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, have to go there, yeah. I mean, just Ira yes. Herman, our amazing developer for the We Are Late Tech mobile app is definitely like just period, an amazing developer, you know? So there's really and great people. he has people. an amazing beard. He does have an amazing <laughs> beard. So, you know, and then, and then my ex-business partner, who's like a brother to me now, amazing, amazing developer. Um, my first business partner went on to be one of the co-founders of Box, like the file sharing right. company. Right. Amazing guy, totally protective of me. Um, so I fortunately don't have a bad experience with actually both co-founders or developers or investors, or I should say the triple that people usually have. But today we're focused on the developers. So if you guys just aren't experiencing the same good fortune that I've had, <laughs> Jay. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So you wanted six things. So um, I think I think number one is the part. You know, if you check out his podcast after ten minutes, that's totally fine. It's this <laughs> one piece that matters. I think that um, the the number one mistake that e- pretty much everybody's making is trusting one person to handle everything. Yeah. And with all the passwords and the codes and not even knowing how to access the the code. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It starts there. And and where where it really gets deep is between the difference of, of guidance mm-hmm. and coding. So, yeah. you know, guidance is basically helping you as a leader. And, and I, I, I use founder all the time, but really this applies to existing companies. I've worked with existing companies yeah. that just want to build tech yeah. or whatever. So, uh, so what I'm saying is like, you you work with a technical partner to help you figure out what you want to build, right? And I call that guidance. And the the where everyone goes wrong is you you work with this person, and then if you have that same person then build their recommendations, right. there's this huge conflict of interest, yeah. which we started to get into, and that's that you know they make money or, and they have people on their staff mm-hmm. that they have to feed and all this. And so, you know, if, if they nudge those recommendations towards solutions that they know how to build yeah. or if they nudge them to make the project more complex than it needs to be, yeah. then they're, they're feeding those people longer. So again, totally. it could be malicious or totally accidental, Yeah, but it's a problem. Spencer used to tell me all the time, it's not about what language to use. It's not about building something in Rails or whatever. It's about knowing the project and then what language is the best to build that particular project. Yeah. And um, and then also another thing I learned early on was not making notes in the code, like undocumented code. And then if someone else takes over, they have no idea like what's going on on the back end. Yeah, those are great examples of how teams can end up in a bad problem. I actually have a I have a story. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, this incident is actually what caused me to become what I am now. Um, so I don't, I don't share this founder's name cause I love him and he's got a great company now. Um, but, uh, so early before, Billy was, Bob. No, just <laughs> so funny. I wrote that. Um, yeah. So, Billy Bob. You know? <laughs> so, so Billy Bob came to me. I was, I wasn't a consultant and he, he, you know, he saw me actually it was the day I met you. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, the women, the Silicon Beach women in tech panel. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And so he saw me on a panel and he you know, liked what he had to say and came up to me. He's like, hey, man, I'm building an MVP. Uh, I think everyone knows what MVP is, but like small, you know, small project to test his company's idea. Yeah. Minimum viable product. Right. Yeah. Right. And so he came to me and he was like, look, I really like what I need to say and I'd like you to audit my MVP when I have it built. It's not built yet, but I'm going to come back. Yeah. And honestly, I was like, okay, whatever. Like I didn't. Think yeah. anything of it and yeah, yeah, yeah. goes away and like eight months later he calls me no exaggeration Crazy. literally eight months later he calls me and he is he's like hey i built this thing and i, w- I want to hire you to audit it come and so we sit down at a coffee shop yeah and, you know pays me out a couple hundred bucks and i look at it and he spent eighty thousand dollars which is a lot That's but it's insane. it's it's within the realm i mean some people pay 200 i've yeah. heard you know for some people pay 15 yeah. but it's, it's in the range and um and he's like, yeah, so I built this mobile app and I got to be honest, it looked beautiful. It looked great. Yeah. But then he's telling me about his business and it's all, I'm not going to bore you, but basically he's just trying to share media. But it's not like Spotify where you're sharing it every day. He's just yeah. going to share it like once a month, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and he's built a mobile app and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So if somebody, I'm telling this to Billy Bob and yeah. I'm like, hey, so if somebody sent you a link to a website are you more likely to click that or to download it and install a new app on your phone? And he was like, well, okay, obviously 
Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to click the link, right? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. So statistically, that's like yeah. 15,000 times more likely. Yeah. So you've built a mobile app that requires everyone on your system to be able to have the app in order to share the media. And that's what you're, that's the principal thing that yeah. you're doing as a business. So what's your user acquisition yeah. going to look like? How yeah. are you going to get new people in this platform? Yeah. And he's like, oh shit. And I'm like, yeah, oh shit. And can I, can I say that on this? It's look a podcast. Up? It's a podcast. So we're sitting there and I, and I've got this kind of look of horror on my face and I'm talking to him and he, he's realizing, you know, he shouldn't have built a mobile app. And so then I was able to show him how to build this on the web. And, you know, and then I pointed him towards another firm to help build it for $2,000. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that story really illustrates a lot of the issues here because he spent $80,000, like eight zero and eight months of time vetting his idea because, and, and honestly, I actually think that that dev shop is one of the ones you were talking about. I, I think I met them and I think they're very honest people and they were trying their hardest, but they don't have the depth of like strategic, you know, yeah. guidance to be yeah. able to point him in any direction. They, they were just like, here's a founder. He wants to build a mobile app and we build mobile apps. Yeah. So we're going to build a mobile app. I mean, I think he should have just given me the 80,000. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I gave him a, a, a solution that helped him build traction. Yeah. And somebody else built for $2,000. So the difference here is he built it in one month for $2,000 versus him building it in eight months for $80,000. Wait, what did he build for the two grand? He built a new MVP that was Oh, like an web. entirely new app? Right. Because what he- What? Yeah, the, the app that he built wasn't going to go anywhere. So the $80,000 went into the trash. Yeah. And, and eight months of time. And But how do we learn from this? What, what do we do differently? Okay, so, so th- the rules- are number one, never, ever, ever under any circumstances, ever, ever work with just one party. You always want to have two technologists in the room and you want to charge one person or party. Again, it could be agencies you're talking about here, but one party should be responsible for guiding your software, Mm -hmm. guiding your technology, helping you to find your product, helping you make sure that the quality, the, the software is quality, right. right? Scalable, all those things you were talking about, like passwords and testing, yeah. right? That's all scalability. And, um, and then there's another party, which is the software development party. And they're the ones that are writing the software and benefiting from, from doing the work, mm-hmm. right? The day-to-day project management, day-to-day coding itself. And as long as you split that up right there, you literally just improved your chances of having a successful startup like 15,000%. It's, it's, it's like that simple. Done. Yeah. I'm drop the mic. I'm going to go work on some software. Yeah. I, I, it's, you know, I, I can't get enough um, talking about this. Like, it's just, it's asinine to me that, that the, you know, here in this LA community, this is like tier, tier one city, right? Like just behind SF and like most startups are not doing this. And I, and I totally get it. I totally get it too. Right. Like as a, so I'm multi-time founder and there's been lots of times when I have gone at projects that I don't really understand. And so, like, you know, there's this, there's this inherent desire to just go out and be like, okay, I trust this person. So I'm just going to work with that person. But what's happening is technology in most of these startups is so expensive that like it, you can't afford to not know what you're doing and yeah. you don't have the time to learn tech. So that's why you need two parties. You need a guidance party and a, and a dev party. And so a company meets you, mm-hmm. they decide to like work with you, to guide you, to guide them. What happens? All right. So, so anyone like me mm-hmm. that's in a, a guidance capacity, right. 
um, the, the, the responsibilities are product, software architecture, and then general guidance. Mm-hmm. So you can think of general guidance. Oh, so what we're talking about now um, is really important. This is like role coverage and like understanding the role of a CTO. Mm-hmm. Kind of these are all sort of the same concept. And so a lot of people um, don't know that, that CTOs are very different. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't just be like, oh, that dude's a CTO and that dude's a CTO and they have the same skill set. Right. Like, not the case. So generally it breaks down into software architecture, product design, and general guidance. And, and general guidance, just to get a general idea, is like putting the right butts in the right seats. So figuring out you should work with this dev firm or with this contractor and what the right rate is. Mm-hmm. Other things are going to be like risk mitigation, talking to board members, selling the product to clients, right? So there's like a kind of a large array of things that a CTO does. Mm-hmm. But the key is, the, the, and that's that's truly like truly the CTO function is just the general guidance. Right. And the what blows most people away that I talk to is when I tell them that your CTO should only be like 6% of your budget. And they go like, what? Because everyone is coming like, no, I want like $10,000 a month to do this. You're like, what the, like, no. Yeah. Like it's a critical role and it's, uh, it requires a tremendous amount of like broad experience, but it's like one conversation a month, right? It's not that hard. It doesn't, it's it's hard. It doesn't require that much input, not that much time. Okay. So that's, that's general. And then the software architect, um, software architecture is what most people actually think is CTO and it's not, it's, it's software architecture. And that's, we, we've talked about it. It's getting in there and on a you know weekly basis, reviewing code, looking at the best practices in that code and looking at like maybe components that you could buy instead of build and uh-huh. make recommendations on that. And then the CTO and the, and the uh, software architect have a really great dialogue, a key, key critical part of, of having successful companies that right. those two people can work together and that the, that the CTO has enough experience to be able to basically call BS on software architect. Yeah. And, and they need to have that dialogue saying, hey, look, for the business priority, we need to build this stuff, even though, yeah, it's going to have some tech debt associated with it, you know, fine. Right. Yeah. And they can come together. So those are two roles. And then, um, so number two rule, right? We talked well, you know, about you, one. You said three roles though. Roles. Yeah. Was it, I mean, what's the third one? The third you one guys, is I'm product. holding up four product. figures as I said three. That's like, where what? I am in my mind. <laughs> and the third one? The third one is product design. And so that sits under like a lot of different titles these days. It's kind of a growing field. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I both have a great friend, uh, Corey. Yeah. Corey um, J. Corey J. At Corey, I think it's C-A-U-R-I yep. on yep. Twitter, I think. Yep. So Corey and I are actually freelance chief product officers, but neither of us tell anyone that because no one knows what it is. Um, and, and, and other people that are in our field are like VP of product or head of product. You see, you see this kind of title all the time. And that role is the one that is in charge of figuring out what should be built. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and then there's, there's kind of a, a support roles that sit underneath that. So like, uh, you know, product manager, supports the product, the chief product officer and the product manager does things like figuring out where buttons go or drawing out workflows yeah. of like, okay, here the user does this and there's that. And, and the CPO is the one that's working with the executive board and the right. investors or whoever it is and figuring out, okay, this is, this is the direction we're going to go. And then the product manager kind of makes that real and they right. work together. Okay. So back to number, number two rule of six yeah. is always, always, always get 
a CPO involved or okay. whatever you want to call yeah. them, product person before you build anything. So here's, so here is a, um, another kind of real world example of how you can get into trouble. So, um, I'm, I'm really saddened by this example, but like there's this thing in the industry called the discovery phase yeah. and it's turned into a scam. So the intention yeah, original, I hear that. do you really, have you, no, have you had it's this? just like when people are like, I just, I want, I, I charge $10,000 and I'll create you a strategy. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that <laughs> like, right there. Yes. I'm like, okay. Exactly. I, I have so many friends that I can get an opinion from. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know this is a conversation about how to work effectively with software developers, but part of that is utilizing things like WordPress or um, really getting into the nitty gritty of um, a whole focus group campaign or whatever, however you do it, survey, whatever you do to have to figure out what are the key deliverables or the key features that people are seeking out? What are the pain points and what's that worth to somebody? And are you a company that is looking to just focus on growth? Are you focusing on, you know, making sales? Like what type of company do you want to be? And then what does that look like? What's that relationship between company and human and, you know, all these things and all of that comes before building features. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Like yeah. nailed that. Should should I just teach just you? I'm just stop. <laughs> software development. So, it all comes from pain, you guys. All pain. And <laughs> no. you you were sitting here trying to tell me you didn't have any pain. No, you know you know what's funny is I no, it would happen Spencer, my old business partner, um, Spencer Anderson, love you. He would say all the time, just because we can build it doesn't mean we should. Absolutely. Absolutely. All the time. Absolutely. Because I'm the one that would come with the crazy ideas every other day. Oh my God, Spencer, let's build blah, 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 blah. He's like, do people want that? I don't know, but we could build it. <laughs> so I, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but you just reminded me. Um, so when I hire software developers, uh, one of the things I'm looking for in the interview is for them to tell me how not to build it. Right. So, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, it, like, another story um, from my past, like, one of the, it was the second time I was a CTO. First time I was like really a CTO. Yeah. For the first time I was like a CTO that codes type yeah. thing. And, um, and so I was sitting there in the chair. The company was literally kickoff day. Yeah. And all, you know, the whole committee is there, like the whole, yeah. you know, air quotes around right. the executive staff, right? We're all sitting there and I'm, I'm bringing in candidates to interview as yeah. my lead developer. Yeah. And this guy comes in and he starts talking about the stuff that makes me feel like a complete idiot. Yeah. Really. I felt so dumb after this interview. Yeah. So insecure. Yeah. And I went home that night and I was like, why did that not sit well with me? Right, right. Next day I come in, this, another lead comes in and he starts talking and he, and he gives me the response of like, why the hell don't we just do that on WordPress? And I was like, that. Yeah. That's my guy. Yeah. Right. Because he isn't worried about trying to create some perfect code yeah. or build some legacy. Yeah. Like this is a startup. Like we're yeah. just trying to get shit out the door yeah. with the like least amount ship. of damage. That's what we say. Yeah. Ship fast. That's that's S H I P guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so yeah, I, I would say think about your, you know, a lot of people try to hire software developers for the long term for like five years. Yeah. But something to think about is that there's a lifespan mm -hmm. on every hire. Yeah. And the people that are going to come in and be most effective in your mm -hmm. earliest days are these kind of people who just are yeah. nitty gritty and just getting stuff done. Yeah. Five years in, yeah, maybe you want some performance platform yeah. engineers. It's different. Um, 
I kind of, I brought this up at the beginning, but I kind of want to reiterate it because it was, it's just so important. And I know it's different depending on the stage of your company. And if you're like super far ahead, maybe this won't be applicable, but definitely for a beginner, if you're looking, obviously you're looking to build a certain type of product. You have an idea, you have a passion and you're trying to turn that passion into reality and you're trying to work out what the features are, et cetera, so forth. I would interview a lot of different developers who all program in a different language and ask them, one, what language did no matter, you know that you're interviewing developers who program in a different language, but you don't make that clear. You say, what language would you recommend this be built in? And just know in the back of your mind that you already know what, and then you ask, what's your preferred language? And then you do that with all of them and you find that all the reasons why they think it's the best. And you kind of try to, to assess like what would be the most effective language for the product you're trying to build. Again, I think you should do my job. Like that, I could not agree more. I, I say the exact same thing with all of my clients. Like it, um, we're trying to be opportunistic, yeah. right? We, you, as a founder, again, if we're focusing on startups, yeah. if, as a founder, you have a network yeah. and you know X number of engineers and you have the ability to pitch X number of yeah. them. And we want, right? So if I'm acting as the yeah. guidance partner, then I want to help you find the guy who's going to work for equity yeah. and really care about your idea and I don't care if it's in Python or Ruby or PHP or whatever. Totally. And that's also a mark of whoever your guidance partner is. You need them to be agnostic. Okay. So I guess back to the rules, right? So we've got, um, I think we're on three. Are we on three? Yeah, I think we're, we're going to three. So recap. The first one is never, ever work with just one. Rule number two is always engage a product specialist before you build anything. And that also applies during your project, right? Mm -hmm. When you have new ideas, just get somebody super senior and they don't need a lot of time. And then three is the software architect. And we can go through this one real quick, but um, the role of the software architect is financially more mm-hmm. critical. Uh, I'm sorry, not more critical, more substantial than mm-hmm. either of the other roles, the product right. or the CTO role, meaning you pay your software architect more than your product or your CTO. Right. Because that person needs to work at a strategic level, but more importantly, on a weekly level. Mm-hmm. And basically just do code reviews, yeah. right? They do other stuff too, and it's all really important, but let's simplify. They yeah. do code reviews. Yeah. And that allows you to hire really effective engineers from Facebook or whatever startup, right? They're three to five years experience. Yeah. And they're, they're willing to burn the midnight oil and completely passionate about, yeah. you know, running their own team and have yeah. a huge aspiration. And we'll take equity, right? Yeah. And so like that's that's your the ideal. It's how not for you, everybody. How can but you trust someone to review your code? Don't, don't you have to give them access and then that can put you in a liable state? No, because every all of the people I'm talking about, product, software architect, all these people sign you know contracts and IP assignments mm-hmm. and they're all they're all under contracts. That's fine. Yeah. So the software architect, like the other two roles, is a, is a very small fractional role. It's not a lot of time. Um, and, and so it allows you to get someone who's a lot more junior mm-hmm. and way more cost effective to create so much more. And also overseas, it allows you to work overseas. Never, ever work with an overseas firm without someone local yeah. to be gluing that stuff together and understanding what's coming in. Cool. Like you just will, you can't ever do it. So that's one, two, and three. That's, okay. that's structuring your team. Okay. And, I'll um, trust you on that. <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these are my rules yeah. for now. So, uh, and then the the last three are about getting getting the right price. So, um, I kind of I kind of let some of the key, key out of the bag here when I talked about the six percent on the CTO. Um, there's an there's an illustration for this in my book and on my blog. Um, so, and that, where can that people can find that? 
uh, tipsfortechteams.com. Uh, so yeah, that's my blog. And the blog is a little different um, than the book. We're kind of covering- What are you using actually? For WordPress. The that's all about WordPress. WordPress. Go ahead, number four, five, and six. Um, your guidance party, whatever they are, mm-hmm. should be 20% of your budget. That's, it like blows everybody away. Yeah. And this is, this is kind of where, um, th- this is where some people don't like what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, um, so when I, when I first started to come into consultant, my consultancy, you know, I, I kind of looked around and uh, not kind of, I looked around and I, I looked at all the consultants and how they were working. And mm-hmm. it's, it's the main reason why I'm here today. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, and I completely get this. There are some just incredible, incredible experienced CTOs here in the scene. Right. Um, I wish them all extremely well and have a lot of respect for them. Right. But let, just to go direct at it, yeah. the issue right here now. is that, you know, as a, as a very experienced CTO, right. if you were to go work at a company, right, right. then you're going to make somewhere around 300 K. Yeah. Right? That's just the number. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go to like the Horowitz reports and comparably when you add up all the bonuses and equity and blah, 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 it's, yeah. that's the number. Right. And so if you're going to be working as a consultant, um, most consultants don't like to have lots of clients for right. really good reasons, yeah. right? So that means that you need to charge 8K a month, right? right? It's just the thing. Just, this doesn't make anyone ba- a, a bad person. This is just the reality of being a consultant. right? So here's the problem. When, when you look at the numbers and what, you know, how much you should be allocating for said role, right. 6% of your budget, which is what I'm throwing out there and challenging any investor yeah. to look at and say I'm wrong, yeah. means you got to have a run rate of over a million bucks on your tech team alone to warrant that kind of, of expense. And what that means is most consultants can't engage um, the, the early stage companies, right? Any, anything that's below a series B, they're really kind of a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, what I'm, what I'm basically advocating every founder to do is to understand these numbers and realize that you need to go find like a CTO at another company mm-hmm. that's there full time and is interested enough to, to work, you know, for that 6% yeah. with you or, or hire me. Right. But yeah. I mean, there's, there's ways of doing this. Because but, you're a freelance CTO. Yeah. So I differ from the other consultants that I was just talking about because I work with lots of startups in a low, like I call it a high volume, low touch model. Yeah. So I can do that 6%, but it's been really challenging to build my practice because I have to have 40 clients yeah. to make this make sense, you know, yeah. and then I've, that's, so that's why I built a But blog. I know that you really care about people. Everybody has 100%. like their own incentive of why they would take the harder path. Yeah. I mean, you guys, I run We Are LA Tech. It's not easy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I have my own reasons why that I really believe in this work, like to the point of crazy. Well, yeah. I, thank you. I, I mean, I, um, I see that in you and, yeah. and I, I know I, you, so I know yeah. it about you too. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer that everyone's motivated by selfish and selfish motivations, yeah. you know, and yeah, I want my practice to succeed and yeah, yeah. I'm trying to corner a piece of the market that I can dominate, but yeah. More importantly, I chose this path to your point yeah. because I felt that the other path was inauthentic. I, yeah. You know, it's super easy for me we to go out. About that. We did. Yeah. Because it's not a joke working with Honest. That's like, you know, it's the cool brand yeah. in LA, da, da, da. And so to go a totally different path. It's hard. It's a big but it's rewarding. life decision. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was a pain in the butt for a long time. <laughs> 
But yeah, I, I mean, I could walk out tomorrow, create a dev firm, do what everybody else yeah. is doing. But like, I wouldn't feel, I couldn't sleep at night. Like yeah. it just isn't. And here's the thing, like when everyone applies this model, here's, I'm actually giving more dev firms more work. Yeah. Because somebody like me should be helping you for 20% of your budget yeah. or less. Yeah. And farming the rest of the work out to a dev yeah. firm who deserves it and has, and is taking care of those developers yeah. that are on their staff. Okay. So five, six. Uh, on the spot, can't remember them, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I could, I could pull them up. No, I think everybody's cool with it. We've yep. been all over the place. If people want to connect with you further to discover more, where can they find you on Twitter? Are you on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn? Where do you prefer email? Yeah, um, I'm I'm on all that. All that's accessible from the website. You know, tips for tech teams you're going to find on Facebook. Twitter is my own handle, amazing underscore J. Um, J-A-Y. J-A-Y. Yeah. Tips for tech teams is really the place. And the blog is different because it's it's for um, it's for technical people also, and that focuses a lot on like communication tips to work with your team, whether they're remote yeah. or or not. And how often do you post? Uh, I'm posting like a lot right now. I'm posting weekly. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to slow down, but so like you know, you, you were here the other day when we talked with Deborah. And one of the things that you know she and I were talking about was how um, this is just an example, but she was like. You know, Deborah when, is someone else on the Women in Tech podcast. Yep. Only check it out. She's a woman that completely embraces being a powerful leader. She's incredible. Great. She's a super great. Yeah. And she said something super simple, which was when working with women, you can be more effective if you tend to uh, approach people with, I, can you do this? Yeah. Whereas if you're working with men, it can be a lot more effective to say, will you do this? Right. And that kind of uh, chimes in with like getting to the point faster, you know, with yeah, men yeah. and stuff like that. So, that who's teaching nerds that right yeah, like yeah, i yeah. never got that kind of advice yeah. when i was coding and yeah. so that's the focus of my blog right so i have um i brought up deborah because i've asked her to post and as i slow down i'm going to be bringing um people like deborah and other yeah. influential leaders that have practical tips yeah. to help people communicate awesome. structure the team all the rest amazing yeah deborah has been 15 years in technology no, you. Sorry, my bad. I have your numbers mixed. You're 15 years in technology. She's got to be more. No, she she was 30 years in technology, yeah. working for some of the biggest tech companies in the world as a high level executive and. It's and media. Really, She's got media too. Yeah, really incredible. Um, thank you so much for sharing your thank time you. with the We Are LA Tech podcast, being a We Are LA Tech club member. <laughs> and if you guys want to connect with more incredible people in the We Are LA Tech community and have a really collaborative safe space to discuss and explore and excel and achieve your dreams, go to wearelatech.com slash VIP. That's wearelatech.com slash VIP. I will talk to you guys, hear you guys, Thank see you. you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Bye, Jay. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Imagine living your normal day and getting your car fueled up on demand. Seriously. Check out LA Startup Refill Fuel and enter code WEARLATECH for $10 off. That's Refill Fuel. It's amazing. Literally, you can be anywhere and have your gas totally topped off the tank and not even have to deal with it. No more gas stations to go to refillfuel.com. That's R-E-F-I-L-L-F-U-E-L.com. Code We Are LA Tech for $10 off. Our incredible partner, Hack Reactor, helping people become legitimate engineers, is offering an outstanding scholarship program. If you don't take advantage of this, that's just nuts. Go to hackreactor.com slash scholarships and enter in We Are LA Tech. 
That's hackreactor.com slash scholarships and enter the code we are LA Tech. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.